0: Isaiah 61. As I said a moment ago, this is the final message here in our Isaiah series. And next week, um, I'll begin the Jeremiah series. And uh, we've covered a lot of ground, a lot of bases here in this particular book. And as we land the plane, I hope our greatest focus on what we see in Isaiah prophetically speaking and the point of the scriptures as they point to Jesus. And here we are today in 2022, and we can see Christ clearly in the Scriptures. And um, I'm looking forward to walking through this. This is Isaiah 61. And uh, before we get into the Word and read from the Word, this is God's Word. He speaks to us. Let's pray. Settle our hearts. We'll pray over the children's ministry as well. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we thank you for this time together. And Lord, I thank you for guiding us and leading us here through this Isaiah series and, Lord, the things that you have drawn out to each and every one of us, not just on the Sunday mornings in worship together, but in that time throughout the week where we're spending time in your word. I thank you for that. And, Father, as we close out this Isaiah series, we pray that, Lord, you would just settle our hearts to prepare to receive what it is that you desire to say. We invite you into this time. We ask for your protection upon it and your blessing upon it. And we also pray over the children's ministry that, Lord, you would guide and lead the things that are happening there today. And, Lord, that your spirit would would just lead us and grace us. And we thank you for this now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Isaiah 61. I've entitled this message Christmas in July. And so I'm going to break that down in a little bit. But, and you notice we sang that last hymn, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus, and there's a bit of that heart cry that's coming from these people of Israel and these people of Judah. They're looking for their Savior. Okay, we'll unpack that a little bit. But keep in mind, this passage that we're about to read is over 700 years before Jesus would come onto the scene. You and I, we have the advantage here of being able to see this passage and already know that Jesus was coming, right? And that He came, and that He fulfilled what He came to this earth to do. But for these Jews, it was a little bit of a different story. And so imagine with me for a moment that you're going through it, right? These people are going to be captured and oppressed, and you hear these words of Isaiah, What goes through your mind when you're walking through that? Here we go. Verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and to release from darkness for the prisoners. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, He will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for His glory." They will rebuild the ancient ruins, repairing cities destroyed long ago. They will revive them, though they have been deserted for many generations. Foreigners will be your servants. They will feed your flocks and plow your fields and tend your vineyards. You will be called priests of the Lord, ministers of our God. You will feed on the treasures of the nations and boast in their riches. Instead of shame and dishonor, you will enjoy a double share of honor, You will possess a double portion of prosperity in your land. and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. I will faithfully reward my people for their suffering and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be recognized and honored among the nations. Everyone will realize that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I am overwhelmed with joy in the Lord my God, for He has dressed me with the clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom, dressed for His wedding or a bride with her jewels. The Sovereign Lord will show His justice to the nations of the world and everyone will praise Him. His righteousness will be like a garden in early spring with plants springing up everywhere. Okay, let's begin to unpack this. Okay, the first portion here is just covering verse 1 and addressing the memory verse that we had for this last week. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. And he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and to release from darkness for the prisoners. The subtitle of this particular chapter is Good News for the Oppressed. That's a good verse right there. So we know that freedom is coming. Don't Maybe know exactly when, but it's being proclaimed here by Isaiah, and it's the Lord speaking as Isaiah writes these things down. And the other thing we notice in verse 2 is there's favor. Favor has come. Okay? 700 and some years before Jesus. Okay? Here's what lies ahead for Isaiah's audience, the people who are listening to him, this nation Assyria, they're going to oppress you, and they're going to take you into captivity, and Babylon is going to oppress you and take you into captivity. Christ hasn't come yet. Imagine sitting on Isaiah 61 and being oppressed and taken captive. you think there's a part of these Jewish people where they're going, when is this going to take place? Isaiah, I think you're dead wrong because our circumstances right now, we don't necessarily feel set free. Now, I want you to just imagine this for a moment, but if you were pulled out of your home, handcuffed, And now you begin to walk miles and miles and miles. And the people who have you captive, they determine when you get food. They determine when you get water. You leave all the comforts of your home. And you are now a prisoner of war. Can you just imagine that? And then Pastor Russ is like, hey guys, I have a great verse for you. It's Isaiah 61, verse 1. And how the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, not me, but somebody that I'm writing on behalf of God for, and there's good news to all you captive people. And Jesus is going to bind up the brokenhearted and proclaim freedom for the captives. I'm sure that the Jewish people would look at this passage and think, when's this ever going to happen? A few weeks ago, I had a message that was called American Idol, and we talked about King Cyrus. Do you remember that? And Isaiah prophetically spoke, not only are you going to be held captive, specifically by Babylon, but... I'm also calling forward a very specific leader from the kingdom of Persia. And he's going to come in and they're going to take Babylon out. And guess what? This leader is going to set you guys free. So one of the things that is in Israel's future is a pardon that's going to come through the Persian Empire. Now as I sat on this, and Isaiah is speaking about somebody that's coming, that's going to set the captives free, I'm just curious, I don't know the answer to this, but if I had heard Isaiah speak these, or if I've read these things, and now I'm in captivity, and all of a sudden this king named Cyrus comes, and I'm set free, is there not just a little bit of you that would say, I wonder if this is Cyrus? In Isaiah 61, 1. You and I, we have the advantage. We can see ahead to Christ, right? But for them, in comes King Cyrus and he sets them free and sends them back home. Imagine leaving your house for decades and then you come back to it years and years later. What a feeling that would be. But here's the thing. They're not truly liberated and free. There's more oppression that's ahead for these Jewish people. There's the Greek Empire. There would be oppression there. Then you hear of the Roman Empire. And there's a whole lot of oppression there. And these are physical things. But there's a much bigger oppression that's going on in people's lives than just those. There's an underlying factor here, and it's a spiritual one, and that is the oppression of sin. So the Persian emperor can set you free, but you're still stuck in your sin. They're not free. They will only be free through one man Jesus. The arrival of Jesus is something that's in Israel's future. And there's a moment in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus is in this countryside synagogue and he's going to read the scripture at the service. And so they bring a scroll and guess from which prophet? Isaiah, and he unrolls that scroll and he begins to read from Isaiah 61, verse 1. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor, He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. He also goes on to say that now is the time where favor has come to you. And he stops right there in Isaiah 61, verse 2, and Jesus says, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. How many years went by? Over 700 years. That's quite a moment. In fact, there were people in the synagogue that were bugged by Jesus saying that. They were upset. A little bit of a riot and kind of had to rush him out. Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus has come. He's the one who sets people free. He's the one who brings freedom. And not just for the nation of Israel, but it's so much bigger than that. Remember I said one of the things that when it comes to oppression, the greatest one out of that whole list of all these huge nations that oppressed them, the greatest one was that of sin. And Jesus came to deal with that for everyone. So here's something that's amazing. In verse 3, it's pointed out that God will establish the oppressed people who look to Him. You can continue to walk around oppressed. With no joy in your life and just nothing's going your way. You feel the weight of the world, but you also feel like, I don't know about my future. You can walk around with that oppression. But God says if you look to Him, He'll take care of that. He'll he'll answer your questions. He'll bring resolve. And it also says that we'll be given a righteousness. A righteousness that you and I cannot attain on our own. We need that righteousness imputed into us that comes from the perfect Jesus Christ. And then the Bible says that you and I will be planted for God's glory. Not just Israel, but those who look to Him. You'll be planted for God's glory. You know the reason why you breathe and why you go about your day is to give God glory. It's all about Him. And so we are planted to give Him glory. And He even goes on to say we're planted like Huge great oaks. Now, here's a picture. These great oak trees can get up to a hundred feet tall with a diameter of over 20 feet. That's like a pew. Imagine that walking up to a tree with that big of a trunk. I'd say that's pretty firmly planted. And to think people can live these lives of of just disarray and they're all over the place and they're tossed around by all the things of the world and the things the enemy would want to do and then God says, but when I save you, I plant you like a great oak. You don't have to be tossed around by the world anymore. There's a foundation and we're planted to glorify God. So I said Jesus spoke these words in that synagogue, but he stopped at verse 2, and the thought is, the rest of what Isaiah has to say in this chapter is something that we are looking forward to. A day in which Christ's return will come, and He will set up His kingdom, He will right all wrongs, and it is going to be quite a time. It's a future kingdom, but you can take part in His kingdom right now. And so there's some things we're going to unpack here that we get tastes of what God's favor looks like, but ultimately there's a day coming where we're going to experience His favor like never before. So in Isaiah 61, 4-9, we see it defined for us. There's going to be a rebuilding, a repairing, a reviving. And then he says to Israel, foreigners will serve you. And think of how many years they've been serving foreigners. This is going to flip. You'll be called priests and ministers of God. And in fact, in 1 Peter 2, verse 5, here in the church age, those who are Christians are called a royal priesthood. We're living in some of that right now. You guys are ministers of the gospel. Not just Pastor Russ. Or Pastor Paul, you're all ministers. God calls you that. And as we live our lives, we minister to people around us. A double share of honor, double portion of blessing, everlasting joy. That's a joy that won't run out. This is a big one. You'll be rewarded for suffering. That has to be something we hang on to. Especially in those moments when we do walk through suffering. We stand on God's promises and saying, Someday, and if it's not in my lifetime, I know that God will right every wrong. And I'll be rewarded. Even for those difficult things I walk through. And in the midst of all of that, people will witness the Lord's hand upon your life and they may come to know God too. We're a witness of God's blessing. And then in the future, you and I will get to be in His kingdom forever. He'll dress us in salvation draped in righteousness. If you read any of the prophetic words of what's going to happen in the future at the judgment seat of Christ, you're given a robe of what? Righteousness, dressed in white. That day is coming. We don't wear that robe in a sense. We're covered by His blood, but there's a day in the future where God will clothe us in these robes of righteousness when we enter into his kingdom forever. We're prepared for a wedding banquet. Pastor Dave talked about that a little bit last week. This feast, this celebration, and there's going to be a worldwide worship of a king who deserves our worship. And Jesus will rule here on this earth. Let me just unpack that for a second because for me as a kid, I always just thought heaven will always be heaven. I'll just be up in the clouds and I'm sure it'll be one big giant worship service forever. And as a kid, you're like, I don't want to sing for hours and hours and hours or hear somebody preach for hours and hours and hours. I want to tell you what heaven is. When Jesus comes back and He's setting up His kingdom here on earth, you and I, we're going to have jobs that we do. We serve in His kingdom. There will be worship. There will be those things that happen where we give our praise unto Jesus, but we're going to continue to live lives. And I want to be a part of that kingdom. I hope you want to be a part of that kingdom. And the way that we can know we can be a part of that kingdom is if we receive Jesus Christ into our lives. The kingdom of God then is the rule and reign of God in your heart right now. And when he comes to set up his kingdom, you'll be a part of that. But what you do with Christ here on earth determines where you'll be in the future. So Christmas in July. This was something that started almost 90 years ago at a girls' camp in North Carolina. They wanted to have Christmas. So they decked out their cabins and all of that stuff, and they celebrated Christmas over July 24th and 25th. Today is July 24th. Merry Christmas. But we often use that now, when, if you hear people just say it, it's like Christmas in July. It's something we kind of say when something's kind of happening, right? When something favorable is going on, that seems maybe out of season or outside the norm. It's like Christmas in July. Something favorable that's happening that seems outside the season or outside the norm. Can I add one more thing? Could it be something that's favorable that's also undeserved? Israel was living in disobedience. And God knew that their disobedience would lead to their oppression and their captivity. And in the midst of all of that, God through Isaiah is saying, I'm going to save you, even though you are my disobedient children. And we know that in the gospel, Jesus came to not only die for Israel, but to die for everyone, even though we're disobedient. Isaiah's name means God saves. And as we close this series and you walked with me what lies ahead in Israel's future, a whole lot of oppression. A whole lot of roller coaster moments. And let us wrap up this series knowing that God is going to be with us. As we walk through the things of this life and knowing that Christ heals the brokenhearted, He frees those who feel like they're captive and oppressed. God is still doing those things this day. And so we can go to Him. In a moment, we're going to sing a song here called Shout to the Lord. Perhaps you remember this song. But there's a line in the song that says, My comfort, my shelter, and my tower of refuge and strength. Our God is so much bigger than the Assyrian army, than the Babylonian army, than the Persian army, than Greece, than Rome. He is so much bigger than any nation, any power that exists on this earth. And you can go to him, and he will be your strength. And he gave these promises to Israel, and these promises are also for us today. And nothing compares to the promise we have in Christ. Would you pray with me as we close our time of reflection? Father, I thank You for the promises that we have in You. Lord, these things, they may not get fulfilled on our time frame, but we know, Lord, that your promises are still faithful and true, and you will work them out in your timing. You fulfilled your promise through Isaiah, through Christ, and yet there's promises that are still to be fulfilled in the future kingdom. I pray, Lord, that we would trust you Even if the circumstances are difficult, and that we would know that you're a God who never leaves us nor forsakes us. Father, if there's someone listening right now as they walk through life, they know they're oppressed by sin. They've not dealt with the issue of sin in their life, but you desire to deal with that today, to set people free. So, Father, I pray right now that if there's someone who desires that freedom, that they would lean in with me right now and call out to you and ask for forgiveness and a new life in Christ. I invite that person to pray with me in your heart say Jesus I want to be set free from sin so today I'm asking for forgiveness that you would cleanse my life you'd make me new today I put my faith and trust in Jesus for salvation and for the forgiveness of my sin. Help me to live in the power of the Holy Spirit as I walk out this faith journey. Thank you for this gift of salvation that comes by grace through faith. We thank you now in Christ's name. Amen.